Welcome to Privacy Paths, the podcast brought to you by Privacy Laws and Business. My name is Laura Linkomies and I am editor of our publications. Today we will discuss the concept of data protection champions and how to help organizations meet their data protection requirements. I am very pleased to welcome renowned privacy lawyer Jenna Nissim, who is the director and co-founder of HelloDPO. HelloDPO is a data privacy law firm based here in the UK. They provide outsourced DPO services and legal advice on all things privacy related. Jenna is also a yoga instructor, which is probably a really nice thing to do in lockdown. I am also very happy to welcome James Young, who is legal counsel for the Fraser's Hospitality Group, which includes well-known domestic brands like Melmaison and Odell Duvan, as well as service departments brands like Fraser Suits. James, welcome. Jenai, welcome. We are discussing how you have leveraged data protection champions within Fraser's. So, Jenai, can you first please explain a little bit more about the concept of data protection champion? Um, I'm not sure how many people are so familiar with it. I mean, I worked in privacy for a long time, and this topic just doesn't get discussed very much at all. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the great introduction. Uh, It's great to see you again, um, albeit virtually. Um, So the the concept of data protection champions, I'll come on to what they are um, generally, but it's basically the use of a group of um, individuals within an organisation and taking their skill set in terms of their operational knowledge of how data is used within the organization and building a bridge between um, the data protection office and um, the business to uh, pull together resources. Um, From our point of view, as we mentioned in our recent article, two of the key issues we grapple with as a data protection officer is firstly, how do we ensure that we know what's going on within the organization, across the organization, especially when it's global as well, um, when it comes to data protection and um, the processing of data. And then secondly, we have this overarching requirement, which is to make sure that we monitor compliance um, and we provide adequate training and awareness. Now, most uh, data protection officers or people from a compliance point of view, especially when it comes to data, will know is that um, there isn't an infinite amount of money available um, to deal with data protection um, compliance. However, we know that the queries that come in to the data protection office is infinite. And uh, one question or, you know, a question never is a quick question. It's always something that could result in two to three hours worth of work. And if you are the only person in the, as a DPO, Um, doing that it can be quite labor intensive so what we tried to do is think about a way that we could um, leverage resource that we already had within organizations to bring out the compliance side of people I suppose and actually have have those skill sets and get that resourcing from elsewhere Uh, and one of the ways that we tried to do that was um, to create the role of data protection champions you can call them data protection guardians we had uh, data protection ninjas Um, we have data protection doctors depending on the industry it's quite interesting everybody gets very excited about the name and the stickers we haven't done that with you James yet um, but that's something that I will be floating is what we call them based on our hospitality but it's, it's a really good way to build those bridges with peoples in different teams um, where they've got the enhanced knowledge of how their teams are using that data on a day-to-day basis and then how we can bridge that gap with um, 
with uh, the compliance requirements you get from things like the GDPR and also for global laws as well where there's those deviations. So it sounds like the data protection champions are, are key to compliance. Can you explain a little bit more, please, what they actually do in practice? So one of the things we first hear from individuals where we talk about the role of the data protection champion is, um, you know, what does this mean for me? Um, you know, I'm not responsible for compliance. I'm not going to be the one that like makes everybody um, do certain things. But we're certainly not asking them to, um, you know, be responsible for compliance for data protection across the organisation because that's everybody's responsibility. So the way that we looked at this, and James will come on to it from an operational point of view in terms of how it works in practice, is we devised a list of tasks basically for those individuals to get involved with to give them a bit of comfort that they're not going to be asked to be like a data protection officer they don't need legal training so come at some of the key tasks that we have them um, get involved in uh, we ask them to be the first point of contact for their team in relation to data protection queries Anybody that's been involved in a data breach or a new contract comes in and you have no idea who to go to, but you know certain areas are using, um, you know, the services or sharing data, it's quite hard to get that person or, you know, to find information sometimes. So going to them and saying, look, we've heard about this new processing initiative or, you know, would you be able to find out within your teams how you're using that data? So really, they are our our conduit to the teams, really. And we also ask them to promote data protection best practice within their teams as well. And the way that we help them do that is we ask them to undertake data protection training that we offer. It doesn't have to be legalistic training. It's just the basics so they understand how that relates to their role. So, for example, we talk to them a lot about data protection impact assessments, um, data subject rights and data breaches, because really they're the key things that they're likely to hear in their organisation. Um, or if it's frontline, so we have people in the sales team sitting, you know, um, dealing with reservations, then we'll give them enhanced training on things like identifying individuals or um, just making sure that they're not disclosing information to third parties when they don't need to. Or marketing, we might be talking to them about actually, this is how you can use the data and we make it very practical and real because nobody wants to read the GDPR apart from me, I think, and maybe somebody else. I'm sure there's somebody else out there, bestseller. Um, but it's just really bringing it to life for them as well. Um, other things that we get them involved in is the record of processing activities or the ROPA. So everybody knows this this. That's the massive record that you have of all your data processing. What's everyone doing with the data? Who is it sharing with? Where is it going? And again, for you, as a DPO or even just in the privacy office sitting in isolation, you can talk about how you use your data and information, but you really need to get to the bare bones of it. So finding out what people are actually doing. Um, and again, they can help with creating that record or updating it. And if we've got queries, we can go back out to them as well. Um, we have also been able to um, leverage their support by asking for help with uh, making sure that any policies and procedures that we create are distilled down in local um, uh, processes that the teams have. So, for example, if we go back to the call centre um, example in hospitality, if we are um, calling people up about reservations, if we've got in our policy, data protection policy, to say that we only disclose information to those individuals who need it, looking at what the call recording scripts would say or the scripts that they have to go through before allowing people to have access to accounts and information. So, and again, we ask them to, to help with things like QA as well, so quality assurance. So can they just listen to some calls for us and let us know if they think there are any gaps in compliance and that's something that especially with my experience and working with the data champions and getting them to do QA that's how we found our most significant compliance gaps they were saying 
by the time you got the relationship right, they were saying, I don't think this is right, Janai. Can I just run this past you? And because you're the DPO, they feel that you're in a position of power. So you have that ability to do um, to do something about it. And then you say, actually, can you do some covert? We used to say, let's go under the radar, see what you can find out first before we actually raise it. And then that's sometimes how we found some of our really big issues that um, had stemmed back for a number of years, just based on their understanding and said, well, we didn't, you know, we wouldn't have looked at this if you hadn't empowered us to. So that's quite good. Um, we also asked them to help with data breaches. So again, because you've got that relationship, the point of contact, they just feel that they can pick up the phone and they don't feel that they're there's any question that is a stupid question or um, you, you build that relationship of trust as well. Um, so they're able to escalate queries and concerns to us without feeling like, oh, everyone's really busy. It's a bit like you, you, you become part of their team as well, as opposed to this data protection office or the privacy team that sit in the uh, in the castle, the high castle. Um and um, you know are, are uncontactable so again that's that's quite good and the other thing that we do with them which is by far my favorite and we've done it's, it's the best part of the month for me when we have these is um have regular data protection champion meetings so we have agendas of things we'd like to cover we go out to them and ask them is there anything you'd like to do we make it fun so we talk about topical things as well and one of the best um bits of feedback I had is um someone saying oh could you make sure you circulate the slides because what we've started doing is after you have your data champions meeting we take those slides and we actually do a mini meeting within their team so they basically go through again what we've been through with them as well so it's really it actually sounds like a job description for a data protection manager, but they're doing it out of the goodness of their hearts most of the time and it's a bit of a side job. So they're the roles they do. But we also do make it very clear to them so they don't feel this added responsibility and pressure is that they, they're not responsible for making decisions about the processing of data. That's up to the senior leadership team or the operations guys that do that. But what they are responsible for is just keeping us in the loop. They don't have to be solely responsible for data protection compliance. Um, it's not something we're asking them to do. So when they're undertaking these tasks, we, we make sure it's in a safe environment. Um, and we also don't ask them to report breaches to regulators. Um, although helpfully, or rather unhelpfully, as we discussed yesterday on a, on a call that we had for Data Champions, is I've had people that get so excited about their role and take it so seriously that they do end up calling the regulators and say, oh, we've had a data breach. I just want to let you know. And you're like, no, don't do this. So um, they don't have to do that. So anything that goes above really what we would expect them to do from uh, you know that level, they're, they're not involved in. And I think that covers everything, which sounds Sounds like quite a broad role, but we don't throw everything at them all at once. We do align them, as James will talk about how we actually distribute the work. Um, we do. We try to do it in a well, well managed way. That that sounds really great. The question that immediately comes to my mind, if I were considering to be a data protection champion in an organisation, is that reflected in the pay package in, in any way? Interesting. I'm going to say it's. I I haven't seen it reflected. However. And I probably shouldn't say this to people, but when I'm trying to convince them to apply for the role, I'm thinking about, think about the market around you generally outside of this role, you are being given free, basically mentoring, because that's what it becomes like when you're working with them, free mentoring and actually you're upskilling. So if you ever did think about leaving, first of all, we wouldn't want them to, we want them to come and work for us in the team if we had expanded, but I think it does expand their skill set generally. But I haven't, I haven't come across clients that would be willing to pay additionally for those types of roles but um 
it's something to think about. James, would you be willing to pay extra for those roles? Well, I don't hold the purse strings, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, James, um, you have recently implemented uh, the idea of data protection champions at Fraser's. Can you please go through how you and Jenai did this um, at your organisation? Absolutely. So I think as a, um, as a hospitality company, everything we do is guided by our guests. We put them at the heart of everything. So if it's big smiles at check-in, chocolates on the pillow, to ensuring that our marketing practices and email blasts are GDPR compliant, it all matters to them. And so it matters to us. So when Jen and I first raised the, the Champions Initiative, I was really interested because I felt this helped address the biggest issue for large large organizations like ours, which is awareness and understanding of data privacy. I think our industry, the hospitality industry, is particularly unique in that we have so many data touch points, online booking channels, dietary requirements at breakfast, health data in spas, it is endless. There's data coming in everywhere, all the time, all over the globe, from millions of people to thousands of staff. So you can have the best execs, the best DPO, the best legal counsel, and that really isn't shameless self-promotion, by the way. But if in our industry, your operational staff, your customer-facing staff don't know about it or don't buy into it, then really you're not hiding to nothing. Mistakes will inevitably be made. And I think it's really imperative that you develop the right compliance uh, operational procedures and then implement them, which comes from that core awareness and understanding through all levels of the organization, as Jenai said. And, that, and that's why I felt the initiative of Data Champions is a really good one. And so in terms of the practical measures that we uh, implemented to, to make this work, um, Jenai and I sat down and went through the role of a champion. What do they do? How does it fit in with their current role? How much time does it take? And once that was all jotted down, we then raised the idea at an exec level, um, pleaded our case, and thankfully, uh, we received the buy-in and enthusiasm we were hoping for. Um, and I know Jenai said that's not always the case in some organizations she's worked with. Um, and I think just to reiterate that point, as a, as a hospitality company, we really are always driven by the guest experience. And so while things like this aren't, frankly, as interesting as choosing what's in the minibar, what champagne is on ice when the guests arrive. Ultimately, this is just as important. And so our organization treats it in that way. And so once we had the exec level buy-in, I think in terms of scoping the role, and as, as Jenna has just explained, I think we were we were keen to ensure that it's not just a, a role in name only. You need the buy-in, you need the engagement, otherwise it just won't work. So we were particularly careful not to include any sort of legal, technical obligations on them or anything we felt people would feel unqualified or unsupported in doing and so in order to sort of list their roles and responsibilities we we looked at the data protection program of work and then created a fun engaging role profile around those tasks and where we me as the legal counsel where Jenna as our dpo would require the most support i think the crux of it really is is empowering them to take responsibility for their particular area function or hotel whatever it may be. It's identifying risks within their area, knowing what to do or who to ask when you don't know, uh, and doing all of that in a way that isn't so opaque or scary, but is, I think, in enjoyable after some time, clear, and in reality, it just becomes another part, but an equally important part of the, of the job they do 
day to day because it is it is so critical to what we do as a as a hospitality business. So your organisation clearly takes privacy very very seriously. But um, how did you gain leverage from the international offices and globally? I think that that's one of the the challenges with any global organization is sort of rolling this out to countries where they have different uh, legal regimes around data and compliance. So our HQ is in Singapore. Um, they are incredibly dedicated to compliance generally. And so any initiative, particularly ones like this that don't cost a lot, that help drive our compliance program is, rel is relatively easy sell. Uh, so having raised this through, I, well, I initially raised it through my own legal counterparts and DPOs in the Far East who then raise it at their own appropriate levels. And I think one, I think what's sort of emblematic or symptomatic of our, our organisation, how seriously we take it is recently a colleague of mine went to our CEO to get a contract signed uh, and he ran red face back into my office and asked him what was wrong. And he said, oh, our CEO just asked me if the DPIA for the contract had been completed and I didn't have a clue what it was on about. So Thankfully, A, it had, uh, B, that colleague definitely does know what one is now, uh, and C, that our CEO is taking the time to understand this stuff and its importance really sets the tone for the rest of the organisation. I think long term, and with Genai's help, I think we'd, we'd like to see this initiative rolled out across all business divisions as well. So whether that's our logistic parks in the Netherlands or our service departments as they are in Abuja or our retail parks in Australia, I think that's what we should all be aiming for. Um, and I think that become a lot easier to do once the initiative here in hospitality uh, is well established. Um, but I think ultimately having that exact level buy-in makes the job of convincing others to do this and take it seriously, it just makes it so much easier. So great team teamwork there to ensure you really have that um, leverage and, and be able to implement all these ideas. Jenna, do you want to add something to this? Yeah, I was just going to say, it's really great to hear James speak so enthusiastically about it. I know when I mentioned the idea, he was like, oh, that's quite interesting. And the more conversations we had internally with all of the levels, uh, you know, of, of people throughout Fraser's was, was brilliant. The the engagement and the buying was there. And um, I just wanted to touch on the point about the ownership and responsibility and just bringing together everybody on this journey is, is one of the things that we did with the DPIAs, for example, James, wasn't it? And some of our other documents is actually going out to those data champions and talk to them about does this make sense to you if I gave you this document would you understand it because it has to be documents that they really understand that match with their processes and I think even with you know with Singapore and when we've been out globally that's certainly something we've seen a willingness for people to actually sit and read what you've written not oh I've got to read this quick document yeah it looks fine people actually take time to say operationally could we tweak this for you know to make it work for us and so that for me has been really nice to know that what you've written people read they understand it and actually they want to follow it and use it so yeah it's been great so um, obviously privacy is understood in a, a fairly different way across the world um, we even differ whether we are talking about privacy or, or data protection here in the UK how did you manage to uh, to get across um, this message in all the different international brands uh, giving the cultural backgrounds and expectations I think Obstacle one is adopting GDPR as the gold standard globally. So back in 2018, when everything was was new, unknown, slightly scary, it was harder to articulate for our teams here why our 
marketing director in Bahrain should adapt their email blast because of what some dusty legislator in Brussels said. I think now, three years on, everyone knows what GDPR is, why it's so important. They've seen the fines. They've seen the stick with which the commission and every every other regulator beats organizations up with. Um, so I think now we have that understanding of its importance, what it all means. I think for global businesses like ours, it's easier to clear that first obstacle of adopting GDPR as the global standard, as the global standard. So I think again, having that buy-in at HQ level to adopt GDPR as as the gold standard really then makes it much easier to leverage the support across the jurisdictions. I think we we will always have local waivers uh, and practices. Um, so, for example, the the approach to marketing in the Middle East is incredibly different to what we would do here in the UK or what they would do in the Far East. So in the Middle East, you tend to interact with your guests and market to them through WhatsApp, whereas here that would probably be unheard of now. And so you do need to respect that and respect the nuances of each jurisdiction. But I think broadly having GDPR as the gold standard and then the group standard it makes it much easier to implement that and say, well, you and your local silos and your local jurisdictions, we can make waivers where appropriate, but let's have GDPR as the gold standard. That makes things a lot easier. And I think then having those conversations at an exec level as a collective rather than in sort of almost looking at things through the prism of silos and alcoves, we're the UK, we're Singapore, we do different things differently. I think having that buy-in at a senior level across the globe just makes it so much easier. And I think going forward with the champions as it's rolled out globally, I think having those voices on the ground who are pushing these ideas, feeding back to senior management about the things they see, about the data touch points, I think that ultimately drives the buy-in that you need. And then and then just keeping the, I think finally for me, keeping our senior management teams and the people that are are paying for these initiatives or who are supporting them, I think providing them feedback with how well it's working as well um, gives it more momentum for it to then become its own thing and become more effective. So I think we're, we're certainly at phrases we're at the start of our journey, um, but the, the feedback we've had, the buying we've had, um, and the I think the targets we've met and set ourselves has, has all been really, really pleasing. And Jenai hasn't paid me to say that. And in terms of timings, um, since Jenai first introduced this concept of data protection champions to you, how long has it taken to get the network up and running? I think it's taken a, a few months. Um, I think with obviously with our organisation and COVID, um, it's been obviously very unique time for us, um, and we've had other challenges to, to face um, globally as well as well as the UK. And so it might have taken a little longer than perhaps things would have otherwise taken in, in ordinary times. Um, but I think that's I think actually a few months is, is in the circumstances has been pretty good to get so many people engaged. I mean, yesterday we had 60 people uh, on on our data champions call um, and the privacy and mailbox that we use to house those inquiries um, has never been so popular. Uh, so I think now we are seeing that momentum and hopefully that will run simultaneously with, with the world recovering as well and our hotel starting to open again. And Jenai, how do you see the role of data protection champions in the future? 
I think they'll become integral. We all know that that I come back to resourcing and it all comes down to money, doesn't it? And resourcing. Um, I think they will become integral. Many organizations see data protection compliance as quite key. And COVID, whilst it's been difficult for most people, people have taken a step back and are looking at compliance now. So you're seeing actually we've been busier than ever because people now have the time to actually let's let's step back and see what we need to do. But they they're leveraging that resource internally to help with that because they understand that the only way really to ensure that the organization as a whole complies is to bring that level of awareness up to a high standard um, and to make sure that everybody's kind of in it together, um, so to speak. So I think data champions, um, if people haven't got them already, feel free to get in touch with us. We can give you some basic stuff to get it started. Um, but it really is about momentum, keeping it going, um, keeping that engagement. And it's about nurturing that relationship that you have with them. So I do think that this is not something which is a, a fad idea. It is something that is here to stay. And um, one of the key things from our point of view is um, is just being consistent with those champions, delivering you know the training on the dates that you've agreed. Don't cancel the meetings because you think it's a nice to have and it's not something that you know you know it's it's a luxury. It's not. It is actually quite essential when you're coming to do things and you need that two way of buy in. So I think as long as you've got that, that is something that you know will be established. And I'd be very surprised if a lot of organisations haven't started doing this because um, I certainly did it five years ago. When uh, when I was in post thinking about how could I deal, how could I get more resource without actually having to think about headcount. So I think the role is only going to get bigger. Um, and the more you put in as a DPO and a privacy team into those people, the more that they're willing to give back. Thank you so much, Jenai and James. It's been a really interesting discussion and I have myself learned a lot and I'm sure the listeners as well. So please keep tuning in and um, check us at www.privacylaws.com for our e-news and reports and other services. So thank you and goodbye. Thanks, Laura. Thank you.